0: Welcome to the Department in Conversation. This is a planned series of recorded conversations to continue to build community and cohesion within our department. Through these podcasts, we hope to highlight different components of the department, the faculty and students within our community, and the broader academic life. Today, our conversation is about community rehabilitation and disability studies, the full name of what folks usually call CRDS. I'm joined by Dr. Joanna Rankin, who is currently the program director for the bachelor's program, so she leads all aspects of the undergraduate educational mandate of CRDS. She teaches five to seven courses a year and somehow manages to maintain a very impressive research agenda about the scholarship of teaching and learning. Her current research focuses on the use of simulations as a teaching and learning tool and more specifically The role employment services and vocational rehabilitation plays in the lives of people with disabilities student identity and the diversity in student capstone experiences welcome Joanna and thank you for agreeing to chat with me thanks let's start with you telling me a little bit about CRDS what does this field include and how do scholars identify here
1: so I think that's one of the things that sort of Baffles everybody, including my mom to date, kind of what we do in CRDS and what we're all about. So I think um, that it's kind of, it's important to define it. And and I think that the difference with us as compared to um, a lot of other programs is we have both of those pieces, the CR, the CR, so the Community Rehab and the DS, the Disability Studies. So, those two pieces aren't necessarily um, things that go hand in hand naturally. Um, But within this program, we've seen and the history of the program developed um, ways that these two things can work together. So, the community rehab piece um, is more um, looking at the way services are provided, looking at at the ways that we can facilitate for our students um, ways to go out into service provision for people with disabilities. So that would be physical disabilities, intellectual disabilities, um, mental health, people who identify as having mental health issues, um, and and, um, sort of being change makers in terms of the way that the often problematic systems run for those people. Um, The disability studies side of things is more, um, sort of an aspirational and theoretically grounded um, grounded scholarship. So um, disability studies, I often tell people is um, sort of similar to uh, racial studies or gender studies um, in where we apply that critical lens to things and look at oppressions and human rights and um, just the way that um, vulnerable populations, specifically vulnerable populations of people with disabilities are treated in our society. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, um, we kind of try and bring those two pieces together. Um, and in our program, we have faculty coming from both both angles. Um, and some of us certainly mixed, lots of people have worked in service provision in the past out in the field, um, but we all work alongside community as well, sort of grounding that theory into practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, I, I must say I've learned a lot since stepping into the department head role and I um, continue to learn every day about the program but what you just said really sort of ignites my, my soul to know that we have scholars leading in this area um, and it's, it's such an important area and I, I love the passion when you speak about your field. So we have a very big undergraduate bachelor's program as well as a distance program and a stream in the MDCH graduate program for the CRDS folks. Can you tell me a little bit about these programs? Sort of what is the difference and what are some of the challenges with those programs?
1: Yeah, so um, I can't speak too much to the graduate program, other than I'm a graduate of it myself. Um, but it looked a little bit different when I did it. Um, But but definitely in terms of the undergraduate program, so we have the four-year route, um, which is typically students coming from high school or later entry who come to do their full degree with us. Um, And then we have both a two-year transfer route and a distance route. So we also have students who have come from accepted um, college programs who've completed a college diploma, um, often sort of um, occupational therapy, physical therapy assistant programs who come in um, and finish the last two years and complete a degree that way. And then we also have a distance program um, for people who aren't living in Calgary. Um, And this is generally made up of um, it's, it's usually typically older students who've been working in the field for a while. and. Um, have decided they would like to complete a degree so that um, they do that fully online, um, which of course everyone's doing fully online now, but um, our students have been doing fully online in the distance program a lot. And it's a really interesting group of people to work with because um, you get your students in in a classroom or a virtual classroom um, who come from very different perspectives. So we find that our students who are in the four-year route are really well grounded in the disability studies theory, um, in sort of the the values that we promote. Um, And while our two-year students aren't as experienced in that way, they bring um, a lot of lived experience, a lot of work experience in the field. Um, So it, it can sometimes be challenging in sort of how we merge all of those people. Um, and, and the different types of knowledge that they bring. But I also think it's a really exciting opportunity for everyone to learn from each other. Um, and and one of the really foundational things about disability studies is the inclusion of an alliance with disabled people. So it's very much a, a field that's not meant to, you know, just sit and pontificate in, a, in an office, though we like to do that sometimes too. Um, but, But I think it really brings to the fore, the voices of of people um, who have had a lot of experience in the field and also um, in terms of sort of accommodation for people who aren't able to come to campus because of disabilities specifically too, that offers um, an accommodation and a more inclusive program for them too. So I feel like those things all all meld really nicely together to create a well-rounded student body.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You have been experiencing, I would sort of describe it as explosive growth in your undergraduate program.
1: Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, this is only my fifth year here, but we've had every single year since I've been here, we've had significant growth. I'd like to say it was because I'm here, but I don't think that's- (laughs) That's
0: definitely part of it, for sure.
1: (laughs) Um, I do think a few things that are really important. I think um, partly, um, it, it's our practicum opportunities. So we offer several practicum opportunities for students. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that in a bit. So, um, I won't talk too much about that, but I think that we have a huge, um, portion of our students who are hired by their practicum sites after they graduate. So I think the opportunities for employment, um, following our degree, and in some ways people kind of, you know, are like, well, I'm not a social worker, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a something when I graduate. Um, but what we're seeing more and more, and we see our degree asked for by employers, um, and that with these connections they make in community, people are getting hired after they graduate, which is pretty great. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's part of it. I think also being in the medical school, we have a lot of students who come from sort of paraprofessional backgrounds. So again, the people who want, who are occupational therapy assistants, physical therapy assistants, want to go into physiotherapy, a lot of people who want to go into medicine. Um, so it offers a sort of springboard for people wanting to go to graduate school. We have a lot of students who end up going to grad school. Um, but increasingly in different areas as well, we see people going in law and policy, um, community development. So we were sort of more concentrated in, in medical fields before, but, um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity, and again, the critical lens that our students can provide, I think, is a um, is a strong attribute for grad school applications. And also, we really push them to um, to do things like we have in our senior practicum course. Our students have to submit a journal article about uh, student experience. So, so I think um, they're quite competitive for for grad programs as well. So I think that and. I don't know, I just think as the world sort of increases its interest in, you know, um, EDI and things that, um, I don't know, I think one of the things that drew me to disability studies was uh, when we think about oppression and who are some, some of our most oppressed groups in society, people with disabilities very much remain in that category. And I think that that, that sort of um, interest is growing in the world as well.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. As I hearken back to sort of your opening descriptor about
0: the field and the passion that you spoke with around like social justice and health equity and inclusion, I'm actually um, calmed, I guess, to know that we have more scholars who are kind of ignited by that same passion, developing a very strong um, foundation of knowledge for which they can advocate and lead change. So I, I'm really excited by this growth. I hope it continues. I think it says good things about the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned the practicum. Um, and how innovative it is in terms of your programming. And if I've understood, really sets you apart from other programs that might be available across the country. Uh, tell me a little bit more about, about this practicum. Sort of where do the students do this? Why are you so committed to it as a program? Um, and like, where, where does this practicum happen?
1: So um, we have right now, and again, it kind of shifts over time, but right as of now, we have um, practicums in our first and second year, and then our senior practicum as that we sort of treat like a capstone um, in, in the final year of our degree. So um, again, one of our real commitments is to engage with community, to keep good relationships with community, um, and ensure that our work isn't, again, some esoteric just thought and that you know all of the theory and and the the research that we're doing that it's it's engaging with community and also creating some kind of community impact Um, so it's really important to us that we as faculty but also our students are out are out there so our first year students we sort of have three different Goals of each of the practicums, and the, the first one is really kind of people getting their feet wet, um, and and just going out to a community agency that serves uh, people with disabilities. So sometimes these are um, like seniors' residents. Uh, we have people in schools. We have people at policy agencies. We have people um, at advocacy agencies. Um, I don't know, a variety of day programs. Um, we have a lot of people in employment services uh, for people who've been injured at work or people with disabilities looking for employment. Um, so yeah, we have a real commitment to that. So they first the first year students go in and just spend a little bit of time kind of shadowing and, and just seeing what these things are all about. Um, as they move forward into their second year um, practicum, Um, it's it's a um, direct service practicum so people work with individuals generally run group programs um, develop I don't know and there's a small um, a a small project component of that Um, but they're sort of developing their professional identity is sort of how we class that one Um, and then the senior practicum is is a linked practicum that runs over the full year so it's a it's a a fall and winter practicum. So the students do 260 hours at their practicum site. Um, And that practicum is is focused around leadership because again, one of our real goals in our program is to develop, facilitate leadership skills and change makers for the future. So um, that's not a direct service practicum, but students go in and do a project-based practicum. Um, So we actually, in that practicum also, we have a lot of students who do research alongside faculty, um, but then in those same kind of kind of areas that um that I was talking about before. Um, but again, we have we have people doing really innovative things. I I had one student one year who did a video um about a history of inclusion in the school, and it was really cool. The mayor, not of Calgary, but um the mayor came and gave a little spiel on the on the video. And then we have people who you know help recreate boards, we have people who do fundraising campaigns just sort of a real variety of things and really building on those again i think if we think back to employment you know grant writing skills um ability to raise money um leadership skills are really important in the in what we usually work in which is the not-for-profit sector so Mm -hmm. so people are excited about that and again it leads to jobs so often so um so we get excited about that for them too
0: yeah that's that's excellent i mean i can As you were talking about that I was going to sort of the administration of that and kind of building on and maintaining that many partnerships for you know again a very well subscribed undergraduate program so I appreciate how much work and the commitment in the, the faculty members to keep that going and active and energized and engaged and it's amazing.
1: It's a big undertaking for us and again we have a practicum coordinator which we couldn't live without um, but, but again, it's, yeah, it's, um, a big undertaking to do, but I think we all feel like it's worth it inter- And I think, again, that's a big appeal for us, as I said, um, and that if we didn't have that, I don't know what things would look like. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, no, very
0: creative and innovative part of your program. Yeah. As you know, I'm, um, I'm an avid kind of tweeter and creeper out on, uh, Twitter um, and I have seen lots of activism recently from groups like Inclusion Alberta during COVID. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what's challenging the community right now?
1: Yeah, I think, again, what we see often is that people with disabilities, when times are tough, um, are often made more vulnerable than they already are. So we we see that people with disabilities are far overrepresented represented in, po- in living in poverty, um, you know, lack of access to affordable housing, um, people who are on income assistance, um, you know, that being challenged or cutbacks, the bus passes were a big deal. Um, so I think what we see in community now with both COVID happening and also Alberta having a lot of cutbacks um, is a lot of concern around where is this going to leave this um, you know this vulnerable population and I think we see a lot of issues um, yeah just with with funding um, where that's coming from a lot of agencies are not for profit so they they depend on on government funding or donor funding or probably a mix of both Um, so so that's, I think, really on the forefront. And again, um, things like um, battling for inclusion of people with disabilities and true inclusion, not just sort of surface level, you know, having people around, but truly including people with disabilities in, um, you know, opportunities that are available to, to, the, to the wider population um, sort of falls to the wayside when people are really concerned about pandemics and, (coughs) excuse me, money, right, because those things do take resources. Um, And I think the other thing we're seeing really a lot right now is concerns about isolation. So again, people with disabilities uh, are, again, way overrepresented represented in in, um, being isolated in the community. Um, and I've heard from a lot of the service providers, and that's actually one of the things a lot of our practicum students are working on right now with various groups, um, how to have some social connections for people who aren't able to go to the programs they used to attend. Um, we're seeing this really a lot with seniors day programs and really a lot of, a lot of stress for caregivers as well. And I think people are feeling um, sort of hopeless in that. So again, several of our practicum students this, this semester are working on ways to try and, um, you know, create programs that make people, that can be virtual, but um, but less isolating for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think those are kind of the, the main things that we're seeing right now. And again, we, I think, um, in, in terms of disability, it's, it's not always, you know, it's not the sexy topic on the docket. So, um, so that we often worry in, in good times, even about how to sort of keep the supports and the, both financial and, and, you know, in, in other ways. Um, and that, and that, yeah, this is a real concern for us right now. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that those concerns are shared by many and I'm really glad to see people taking action on social media and in other um, ways to make sure that issue um, kind of does not go quietly into the night. So. Mm-hmm. so my last question for you is really, how could other faculty members contribute to CRDS and its mission and its advocacy work?
1: So I think that, again, we're this sort of unique partnership, um, as we sit in medicine um, with, with a, you know, a, a discipline that questions, the sort of authority of medicine could kind of, you know, be seen going one of two ways. And I feel like we're in a fortunate position where we could, um, because we talk about the dominance of the medical model a lot in our program. And one of the sort of philosophical basis is that people with disabilities don't necessarily need to be fixed, right? So that people with disabilities are great as they are, come as they are, and it's not always a medical problem to be fixed. And I think that um, rather than saying we are at odds with each other, um, it's really important to develop those relationships. Um, And again, our sort of movement is always to sort of think about different ways to approach those things. And I think we have so much to learn from each other um, in terms of, you know, what is the importance of patient voice in in medical aspects? Um, You know, what are some, agency and, and 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 change and what ways can we see something that's so entrenched in our society and and learn to change it um, and then also what uh, for us of course also what can we learn um, from from everybody else so I think I think again um, that it just it just provides a lot of opportunities and we had some conversation around you know um, again we take these critical lens but like feminist analysis of of medicine or population health or whatever I think there's so many opportunities for those kinds of partnerships and to listen to each other and take from each other and I think as long as um, we're all open to that and and respect and listen to each other's voices that we can really go places with this and I think it allows us an opportunity to to sort of raise our voices to make those kind of partnerships but also that we can contribute to those discussions and be valued partners um, in, in, a, in a less traditional disability studies um, realm. Thank you so much for chatting with me this morning, Joanna.
0: That's the department in conversation.